Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Healthy Us. It's been reported that relocating internationally is the most stressful life event. Believe it or not, it comes uh, in many couples' experience in front of divorce, more, more stressful than divorce. And when we relocate internationally as a couple, like any major life event, hopefully we can support each other through the process. Hopefully it draws us closer together as a couple. But many couples report that it has a grinding effect on the couple relationship, uh, a negative effect, a negative impact. Then if we add the pressure of working in humanitarian contexts, this of course often puts the couple in one of the most challenging environments worldwide. A recent study found that up to 40% of foreign assignments are cut short, many because the couple fails to adjust to life abroad. The potential causes, of course, can be numerous and may include feelings of isolation, being separated from friends and family, the unfamiliarity of living in a foreign culture and dealing with uh, uh, a language we're not used to, and lifestyle changes such as new accommodation, domestic help, and for many expats, an elevated social status. My guest today has extensive experience successfully navigating the challenges of international relocation to live and work. And I'm hoping that she will tell us how she did it and some of the lessons learned. Kelsey Hoppy, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Rodney. It's going to be great to talk about these things. Although yeah. I don't, I, I don't know how I, I could say how successfully I've, I've done. <laughs> well, we'll we'll let you uh, explain explain yourself in that regard. Uh, but for, but certainly, I'm, I'm very keen to uh, to get your experience and and what you've learned, and perhaps what what advice you'd be giving to other people embarking on a, on a similar um, task or project. Okay. So can we start at the beginning? You're um, married to the, to the wonderful Ben. Can you give us a background uh, on how you got together, where you met, you know, the usual questions that we ask couples about how you started your relationship? And then, I'd, of course, I'd like to come to the international part of what you've done together. Uh, sure. So, um, so I met my partner, Ben, in South Sudan in um, 2008. Um, I had just come from uh, several years working in Darfur uh, and had uh, taken a new assignment in South Sudan. And he had just come from some time in Uganda, uh, working in northern Uganda, and had just taken up a new job uh, with uh, the Ministry of Finance in Sudan, or in South Sudan. I was Sudan at the time. Um, and we initially met um, just because there were very, very few um, expatriates there. So mm. it kind of, it was a community where everyone knew everyone, everyone was friends with everyone. And we, um, we were friends for several years uh, before we uh, embarked on a relationship. Um, and um, yeah, that, that's how we met. We were in South Sudan, I think for a total of uh, four years uh, in total, yeah. Four years. Uh, so how long um, you were friends for several years, mm -hmm. all the time in, in South Sudan? 
Yeah, in South Sudan. Um, and, okay. then, and then we moved together from there. Ah, okay. So you were together as a couple when you then moved? Yep. So uh, we've okay. been together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so can you, can you tell me uh, what, what, uh, what was your experience uh, in South Sudan uh, uh, in terms of meeting, meeting new people, uh, making mm. friends? How, how easy did you find that back then, thinking back, uh, looking back at those years? Well, I mean, I think by the time I was in South Sudan, I had been living and working in humanitarian aid work for a number of years. So I had come, like I said, to South Sudan from Darfur. Before that, had been in Indonesia with the tsunami. Before that, working in Ukraine, um, a little bit in Kosovo, Zambia. So um, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think, I think I was probably fairly familiar. Uh, uh, living internationally and um, and having your kind of job and life all wrapped up together, uh, you know, the mm. people that you meet are the people that you work with and the people yes. that your partner works with and so on. So, yes. Um, yes. so I, I don't I don't think it was a it wasn't difficult. It, it had I'd accepted that that is the way it was, you know. So mm. okay, um, but you meet you meet this guy um, it, socially. I, I gather. Uh, in, in the usual expat uh, gatherings, um, so you you were friends. You said for um, for the first few years, I think you said. Yep, we um, so we met. Like I said in two thousand and eight, I'd been there for a couple in South Sudan for a couple months, and Ben had just arrived. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, the community was so small. You know, mm-hmm. we used to joke that by the time we left, there would be three parties in a weekend that you could go to. Um, but right. when we arrived, there was one, and everyone <laughs> was there. So, um, so it was it was very small, and everyone knew each other. And I think that that brings its own challenges. Um, mm. A lot of times. Um, as I'm sure you probably have heard or discussed, um, it's uh, it's difficult to uh, navigate relationships that you have in the field uh, because almost everyone is operating from a different uh, cultural background, different emotional baggage. Um, you know, they have all of their, uh, they're, they're bringing all these things to a relationship and you don't know it, you know, you've all just been kind of thrown together. And so there are people who are looking for very short-term relationships yeah. or, um, you know, simply sex um, or people who are wanting longer-term relationships, people who view kind of this assignment out in South Sudan as their quote unquote field work. And so then they're going to go back to a quote unquote normal life. Mm. Um, So you kind of have to uh, navigate with any relationship that you're forming. I mean, and to be honest, even with friendships, you know, you have Mm. to navigate this, um, the expectations of, uh, of other people that you're engaging with. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And South Sudan is a classic. I I mean, I'm not sure back in 2008, what the situation was like in South Sudan, but it's it's not an easy place to live and work, um, uh, and then to develop a relationship at the same time. I mean that that kind of that, that must have been uh, had some interesting challenges for you both. 
Yes, I, I mean, I don't think that initially, like I said, we were good friends uh, before mm. we uh, got into a romantic relationship. Um, and I don't think that either of us really at first were necessarily looking to each other for a romantic relationship. And I think that we were both surprised by how compatible we were, how we mm -hmm. got along. Um, there's a um, there's a 10 year age difference between us, um, mm -hmm. which, uh, again, you know, we bring to relationships all of these preconceived notions of, you know, like, well, that won't work or, you know, or we're just going to go on to the next assignment. So this won't work. And so, you know, you're you're trying to navigate how you feel about this person as well as whether the person wants the same things that you do. And also the the by nature that the job is going to bring, you know, your proximity to a conclusion mm. at some point. So, yeah. Yeah. So tell me, South Sudan back then, was, was it in a state of turmoil um, um, as it has been in recent years? Um, I'm just trying to get, uh, yeah. I'm not familiar with this, <laughs> with the political situation back 2008. So in 2008, it was fairly calm. This was before it became an independent country. And so mm. it was still negotiating its um, um, uh, referendum and secession from, uh, eventual secession from Sudan. So it was, um, it was very calm, very, very focused on, um, on independence. Um, and it was, it wasn't hard. I, I mean, I'd just come from Darfur where there was an active conflict going on. Um, and it wasn't, um, it wasn't as, it didn't feel as dangerous from a security perspective as, uh, as Darfur did. Um, yeah. But I think that there were different tensions in that I'd never been so someplace where it was um, it was so remote. There were so few basic services. We, we routinely would get stuck in uh, remote locations for several weeks because the land, the plane couldn't land. Uh, mm. the, the runway was too wet um, or we would um, the. Um, it kind of people were dying of preventable diseases. I think at that point, you know, one in four women or one in eight women in, in South Sudan died in childbirth. You know, there weren't health facilities. There weren't, um, there wasn't refrigeration. There wasn't electricity in most places. So it was a very kind of um, difficult, um, well, I say difficult from my perspective, but um, it was a it was a big change in terms of like the living situation as opposed to it being actively dangerous from a conflict. Sure. Sure. But it's, it's, uh, well, I gather it was fairly restricted living conditions. Um, if I'm not mistaken, or certainly my experience with it was, is that, is that the case you're, um, <laughs> fairly restricted in terms of your ability to get out, get out and, and engage with the community, et cetera? No, actually, at that time, we were very, very free. So, oh, um, okay. so we were okay. able to move, you know, on the weekends, you could go over to friends' houses, you could um, host, you know, uh, dinners, or um, you could go out to what they called the Jebel, uh, which is a it's an area which is much built up now, but then was pretty remote, you could hike to the top of that mountain, um, or hill. And um, yes, yeah, so you could move very freely. It was a, it was a very free um, time in in Sudan's history. Mm, okay, good, good. Okay, so so you develop a friendship with Ben. Um, I'm interested. So you're living in um, in South Sudan. Can you tell us how it became? Um, you know, what what was the process? How did you both realise that this maybe was a longer term 
uh, or more uh, a romantic uh, relationship than a friendship. Tell us well, a little bit think... <laughs> about that process. Yeah, I mean, I think it um, because you, we we did have time and it was you know in, in such a close community, we're seeing each other all the time and so on. It wasn't like you had to go on dates per se, you know, because. Mm. You, you you could see each other uh, quite naturally. So um, I think we had, we kind of just had been spending more time together and ended up um, going to, well, I know Ben would definitely um, say this is when he started to think there was something else there besides friendship. We had yeah. um, we, uh, almost everything, uh, transport and logistics was operated out of uh, Nairobi in Kenya. And yeah. um, we we happened to be on a plane for some reason. He was flying out somewhere and I was flying out to Nairobi. Um, and we ended up just talking um, and listening to music. We had very similar taste in music. Um, mm. And then we happened to be coming back into South Sudan at the same time after two, three or four days. Um, and he actually, um, on the on the flight out had decided that he would uh, delay his flight um, mm -hmm. to go back to South Sudan with me. And so I think that was a time it kind of just built slowly over time. And, and then we began mm -hmm. to realize that, you know, um, there's an attraction there in addition to just, you know, kind of a platonic uh, friendship. So, mm -hmm. um, okay. so, and then we began to, um, uh, I would say more, more or less, probably less successfully, um, see each other discreetly go on right. dates if you will um right. but okay. everyone everyone knew what was going on <laughs> sure which which it, uh, that happens in an expat community we can't hide much i don't think um in, in a lot of instances yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> okay so um all right so then you committed to is that the word we're going to uh in south sudan that's where you became a formal couple? Well, I think so. I, I mean, and I think mm -hmm. we kind of just fell into it. Uh, the housing mm. situation in South Sudan is also unusual in that um, it, it, um, you, at the time there weren't a lot of houses to rent. And so people were just constantly trying to move house, move in with friends, move here, move there. Um, right. And so, because uh, you needed to find a room to live in. And um so quite early on, we ended up sharing a house and um, and then have shared a house ever since. Um, right. it, okay. I mean, we probably, we probably would, unless we were in that circumstance, but I don't think either of us would have, quote, unquote, you know, moved in together uh, sure. previously. But, um, you know, you, you need needs must. You need to have a place to stay. So, yes, um, yes. Yeah, so we ended up moving in together. And then, um, like I said, from there, we... Um, we kind of began slowly to make mutual decisions. And one mm -hmm. of those was um, uh, that we would, we needed to leave South Sudan. We'd been there for a long time. Mm. Um, we were both um, ill with malaria and oh. um, we're getting amoebic dysentery on and off and so on. So we, um, so we decided to move to Uganda where we could still continue to work in and out of South Sudan and around East Africa. But, um, and so from there, we just, um, uh, began to make decisions kind of as a couple. Um, hmm. I would say, uh, I wouldn't say that there was necessarily a moment where we said, okay, we're together or, you know, um, hmm. it, it was, it was much more organic than that. Okay. I'm interested in um, the, again, looking at the impact. So you start to make decisions as a couple, you moved as a couple and, hmm. um, uh, but you're still, 
you, you both kept your same, you know, the same roles, the same jobs. Um, you were able to do that in South Sudan. At, at some point, one of you must have um, followed the other. Is that, mm. am I right? Yeah, and I think that point really came when we were in Uganda and we were thinking about what was next in terms of jobs. So we um, we continued to take jobs which were, um, we continued to uh, take kind of short-term jobs. Mm-hmm. And we, I wouldn't say that we um, necessarily uh, followed each other. Didn't I, There was one job I didn't take in back in South Sudan, which would have put me there for like three months um, based on a conversation that Ben and I had about whether it was good for us, whether it was mm. good for me. Um, but then when, um, when we were thinking about what was next after Uganda, um, uh, ben had applied for a role with what was then uh, DFID, the British government's um, uh, aid arm, uh, yeah. and now with the FCDO, um, and uh, was offered a role in Pakistan. And so then mm. it became a question of would I go with him to mm. Pakistan? Okay. So t- tell us about that process for you, because uh, I think that's probably uh, people in the, the humanitarian field, in my experience, that's a possible pressure point, isn't it? Because um, you've got your career, Ben's got his. How does the couple navigate that particular decision point? What, what did you find the, the, the pluses and minuses to be? Yeah, I mean, I think there everyone will be a bit different. And um, I, um, the way I view the world, um, I think probably made it a little bit easier in that I've never, I've never, I've had a kind of a portfolio career. So, you know, I've done all sorts of different things uh, under all sorts of different, you know, uh, guises, it worked in marketing, worked in humanitarian aid, you know, worked in development, so, um, worked for companies, worked for the government, you know, um, and the next thing always tends to come along um, mm. and the next thing, as long as I find it interesting or I am, um, uh, you know, I, 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 I can support myself and uh, what I'm going to be doing is, is in an interesting place and with interesting people and, um, and I think I'll find it enjoyable, then I'm probably quick to say yes to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if the roles were reversed and it was Ben, he would be much more circumspect about it, you know, um, in terms of, um, of advancing his career or what it mm-hmm. means for him longer term. Um, I don't want to say I have a laissez-faire approach to my career I things just tend to work out so I was like mm. okay you're going to Pakistan Pakistan sounds like fun I'll go <laughs> as well um, and because good, it, good. Wasn't a, it wasn't a company post um you know it meant that um you know, I wanted to I definitely wanted to work while I was there yeah. but you yeah. know I it was it was facilitated for me by the mm. British which made it a lot easier. Now, there were all sorts of uh, road bumps that that approach threw up that we were unforeseen at that point. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it definitely was, it wasn't a difficult decision. Um, and I think mostly because in our careers, you're never really in a job for more than two years, five mm-hmm. years, you know, you're always moving on to the next organization, the next job. Yeah, in the humanitarian field, you mean? Yes. In yeah. particular, yes, I, I would I would agree. Um, so, 
in your experience, so moving to Pakistan, and and we have to say that's where you and I first met. Um, in it was your time in or our time in Pakistan? Um, uh, do you recall? Um, so you, you, if you like, if, if a good expression is you followed Ben or quite mm-hmm. willingly. Um, was there the ups and downs? Um, so a lot of couples r- would report that initially it's it's quite exciting, but that excitement uh, wears off after a while. Was that your experience? Did you have any anything similar to that? Um, I don't think that we had any, I, I, I don't think it was a kind of, you know, we started at the top of the hill and then rolled down to the bottom. Um, <laughs> I think it, I would describe it more as, um, there that there like I kind of intimated before there are hiccups so you mm-hmm. know there there are things you don't expect or you don't know which happen and you don't know how you're going to respond to them because you haven't predicted them so well, you know earlier you talked about moving and the stresses of moving and um, the stresses of um, living life in a new culture and, and those types of things I don't I think because Ben and my entire career has been mm. in different cultures in different places um yeah. we like that so you know yeah. and, and we like it and uh, you know um and seek it out so those those aren't the stresses which really um kind of blindside you or surprise you yeah. um I really struggled. So I did, you know, quote unquote, follow the trailing spouse. Uh, to yes. I was going to um, call it that, yes. I was, um, <laughs> I really struggled with being considered by the government a trailing spouse. Um, mm. They, uh, the foreign office in particular has a, what I would say is an antiquated view of spouses, mm. um, which, you know, they're trying to change, but, you know, they have, coffee mornings for them and you know it's there there is this um whether they whether they mean to portray it this way or not it's you know it's going to be the woman who's trailing it's going to be a woman who has nothing to do um she throws dinner parties and supports her husband you know that that kind Mm -hmm. of um uh you know you, you get together and you talk about your kids um you um you do some charity work um and so i really um chafed at that Mm. sort of treatment um Mm. and i I really struggled with that um Mm. because we were under the duty of care of the british government um they had more say in what i did and didn't do professionally Mm. than Mm. i appreciated (laughs) (laughs) Um, and and i I, for very understandable reasons i think we had a difference of opinion on that but um it, it was it was those kinds of things that um begin to wear on you you know and and like I said it was it was slightly unexpected in Mm. that in respect to I hadn't thought about how I would feel in those situations yeah so how how, again um um obviously you know interested in the in the challenge or in the negative side of this how how did you navigate that so that it didn't become uh because this is Ben's uh, employer that we're talking about, um, who's not, you know, who's perhaps not being as supportive as they could be. How does that not become a, a pressure between you and Ben? I don't. I definitely think it was a pressure. I mean, luckily, Ben is a very um, emotionally mature and um, mm. communicative person. So, uh, so you know, we would talk about it a lot, um, and you know, he would tell me when I was ranting. And, um, you know, and say, 
you know, and, and I think also too, at some points, you you accept what you you have to accept what you've accepted right like I at any point had the freedom of choice to say I don't want this anymore I'm going home you know or I or we need to we need to change the circumstances we're in I I don't really ever feel and I think there's a very few people who are in the very privileged position of being able to work internationally and being supported by an organization to do that who are um handcuffed you know you you you've made a choice um and complaining about it or you know um finding the reasons why it's not nice and uncomfortable i think it's just a um a really detrimental way to live um so we and we did at one point discuss my leaving the um the contract as a spouse and getting a job with a different organization in the same place um uh, we decided against that but um but you know it was a discussion at some point because of how of my feelings on it yeah Okay. And uh, tell me, as, as a woman in Pakistan, mm-hmm. um, what was your experience um, in, in terms of, again, uh, so you're the, you're the spouse at that stage, um, uh, Ben's the, the, uh, the main employed person, um, and, and living in Pakistan, how, how did you navigate those challenges? Well, I, I, one thing which was, uh, inter- I mean, we found it amusing, uh, but I think other people might uh, have struggled with it, is that um, we weren't married when we went. Um, but the um, but in order to go as a spouse, um, you needed to be registered as a spouse. And yeah. so we went into the, we went into DFID to sign our paperwork and Ben's reading it. And he says uh, to the HR guy, um, it, it says here we're married. And the guy says, yes, congratulations. <laughs> and Ben was like, well, if it was so easy, hey. Like, yeah, good, so, um, good, good thing to know, yes. Yeah. So, so, we, so we went under the auspices of being married. And, right. um, and, and partly because, I mean, I... I think the people who were close to us in Pakistan knew that we weren't, you know, hadn't, hadn't officially, you know, done a marriage ceremony in the right. UK, but we were committed to each other. So it wasn't, it wasn't like we were forcing ourselves to play a part that we didn't, yeah. you know, but we would joke with each other and be, you know, say, Oh, my, my wife and my husband and, you know, yeah. like, um, yeah. and, um, and so I'm, I'm, I think that um, I, I didn't find, especially where we were living in, um, in, Pakistan and Islamabad and Lahore. I mean, I found the culture very, very welcoming to foreigners. Um, mm-hmm. I found the life that we were living very, very comfortable. Um, and um, and I didn't find my treatment, uh, you know, being a woman as being particularly subjugating or relegated or, um, you know, my opinions at work were taken seriously. I was mm-hmm. able to achieve a lot of things. I think that, um, uh, I often compare Pakistani culture and American culture to each other. I think that the patriarchy mm. is simp- it's completely as strong in America, uh, where mm. I cannot sell property in most states without my husband's approval, uh, whether yeah. or not he, he was my husband at the time I purchased right. the property. Um, no, yeah. um, it, you know, so so the idea that you know uh, women played a you know you ha- you're forced into a, a different role. I, I didn't find that it was a different culture for sure, but it wasn't mm. you know 
particularly oppressive. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, so you didn't find a, a lot of the expat women uh, or um, diplomatic women that I spoke to talked mm. about the pressure uh, out in public uh, um, in, in terms of how you dressed, um, you're being looked at, uh, that sort of undue attention perhaps. You, that wasn't a, a major challenge in your experience? Well, no, but I also think that um, a lot of, you know, you how do I say this? Um, you see what you look for. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think... Every, every place I've lived internationally, you get stared at because you're a foreigner. Mm. Um, I, I didn't find the attention that we would receive in Pakistan particularly um, more sexually exploitive, you know, than in other places. Um, mm. you, 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 you get stared at in South Sudan because you're a foreigner. You get stared at in Uganda. Sure, sure. you, you just don't fit in. Um, mm. But I can understand how, um, how women could feel that that is particularly um, intrusive or unwanted attention. Um, mm. But I, I think that almost everywhere you in the world that you go, where there's four, you know, people in London stare at foreigners on the street like they're, they've arrived from outer space, you know, like sure, it is sure. it's just a, um, so I didn't find the attention unwanted necessarily. And, and I was, um, I wouldn't say, um, I, I, I was harassed. Um, I was mm. sexually harassed in Pakistan in markets and things, you know, men brushing up against you or mm. uh, attempting to grab you or whatever. But um, but that happened, happened to me in Italy. That's happened to me in Egypt. That's happened right, to me sure, in sure. Uh, yeah. Indonesia. So, you know, it, it wasn't this. I didn't find it um, more. Yeah. It's bad everywhere, Rod. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. We will return in a moment to Healthy Us. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm interested living in that. So, I mean, you're describing a, a very um, uh, positive, in a lot of ways, enjoyable um, experience living-wise. Um, so you, as, as a couple... Uh, how, how, what did you find were the key ingredients to supporting each other? Perhaps it's not as hostile an environment as, mm-hmm. as some that, that you yeah. might have. Um, but even so, uh, it's, it's certainly new. It's very different. Um, that uh, the, the um, gender side of it might be uh, mm-hmm. a bit of a challenge for some um, expat women. What's your, what, what did you and Ben do that worked um, in terms of supporting each other? Tell, tell us the secrets of, of the Ben and Kelsey uh, support show. Um, well, I, I think that one thing that's really important to remember, and you kind of hinted at it in your introduction, where you said, you know, people are moving to a place and, um, and, and moves are stressful, you know, international moves are stressful. Um, and uh, I think the key, one of the key elements there is that, you're moving somewhere for a job um, and that job is possibly going to be more all encompassing uh, in terms of your life than it is uh, than a job in somewhere somewhere else. And it would be interesting mm. to know how 
stressful coming to a new job is, you know, no matter where you are. Cause I imagine that that much like moving or, you know, or getting married or um, other kind of life changes is also an incredibly stressful experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think that, um, I think that you need to be comfortable with the, um, or, or we actually found we need to be comfortable with our jobs being a very high priority. You've moved there because of this job. Um, you, you uh, it, it's going to take up more of your life. You know, there's going to be things in the evening that you need to do. You're going to need to work beyond regular hours, um, and so. Um, you're going to need to navigate, you know, new colleagues, understanding how the organizations works politically, you know, all these different things. And that is going to take up more of your time and your partner's time than mm. uh, necessarily elsewhere. So, um, and I think that Ben and I are probably both really comfortable with that, but mm. I could, I could really easily see how, if say, I don't have a job, um, or if, um, or if either of us were really unhappy in our jobs, um, that could be a very, very negative and kind of toxic environment because, yeah. you know, if someone, uh, doesn't like what they're doing and it's all encompassing, you know, mm. it's, um, it kind of could just eat away at you and your relationships and so on. Yeah. So, um, so I think that both partners being both of us being happy with what we're doing and excited about it and enjoying it uh was was really kind of a key to success yeah um, yeah, yeah. um we, i think oh go on oh no no um i, I was, I was going to say something very simple or ask a, a sort of a related question mm. uh, are, are there limits to that sort of so great that you could you know that you're both happy and you know able to support each other what what did you find even so that there were limits to your ability to support each other did uh, mm. I, I think um a lot of couples would find that um uh they need extra uh support which is what they're left behind or maybe yeah. not you and ben in more mobile well mm. before but many couples who are leaving, particularly for the first time, are leaving behind all those supports. I mean, how, yeah. what, what do we say to them in terms of um, how they navigate that? Mm. What, what did reminds, you find? Yeah, it reminds me of this. Um, I, I remember when I first arrived in Indonesia and I, I was working with a, a colleague who, um, I, don't, I, I don't know how to describe his personality, except for it almost bordered on autistic in terms of how he, like... <laughs> And, and how he spoke. And and one time I, um, we had just arrived, you know, it's 12 hour difference, time difference. And someone was asleep in the middle of the day um, because they were exhausted. And, um, and you know, I had, t I said this to him and he said, well, sleep when it's, sleep when it's dark. <laughs> um, and, and I kind of have translated that into a saying where, is that live where you are, right? So, Good, yeah. And it's, um, I think, I, I, I mean, I can't speak into other people's experiences, but I could empathize with if it's your, if you have lived in a in a country and you're moving to another country for the first time, um, and you your friends are all in the one country and your you know kind of family and support mechanisms are all there, it could be very difficult, especially in you know in the middle of your life, to learn how to um, build those again. Yeah. Um, 
so you need to live where you are, right? You're, you're, you yeah. need to have support mechanisms uh, where you are, you know, whether those are friends or, um, or hobbies or yoga classes or whatever it is, you need to build that in and you need yeah. to build it in when it's nice and fun and you're enjoying it um, because it's no good trying to find friends when, all, when you just want to whinge about how much you hate living there and your job, you know, kind of thing. Sure. You need to... You need to have sure. these things built in. Um, but I also I also think that um, for Ben and I, it's a little bit easier because our careers have taken us so many different places. I feel mm. like what we've done is, in a way, we've collected our good friends from from the different places where we are, and then they've gone to on to different countries. And so, you know, um, so you end up seeing them or you end up meeting sure. up in a third location for a holiday or an R&R. &R and, mm. um, and so I, and this has definitely changed over my lifetime with the, you know, reduction in the amount, amount it costs to travel, although COVID and climate change are gonna change that. Um, mm. But also, you know, with, um, with the internet and social media and so on. Yes, I, yes. I, my first trip when I was, uh, well, not my first trip. One of the first times I lived abroad was in Belarus in um, 1994, I think. And mm -hmm. um, and it really felt like getting on an ocean liner and going out to, you know, nowhere. You you got letters, you know, the, the email was just starting as a thing. You might get an email like you get a letter, you know, um, once a week or something. But now, you know, you're, you're so connected, you can be connected with your family back home, you can, you know, um, and I think COVID has probably shown us that you mm. can live in the same city and not see people. Well, you yep. could be living in Hong Kong and have the same relationship you do with them, you know, with people next door. So, so I don't feel like our social setting, our support networks are really good friends. Um, we're in, any different situation than we were or that moving abroad affected those relationships. Mm, good, good. Yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, you mentioned COVID and really that's a whole discussion for another day, isn't it? Mm -hmm. what, what have we learned um, about connecting with each other through this period? I mean, it's, um, it's been really yeah. fascinating from, from a lot mm -hmm. of perspectives. Um, so you jumping ahead now, you've, you, you, uh, you're now back in the UK. Um, again, how, how was that decision made? How, what, what did you, you... So you left Pakistan. Oh, I think you mm -hmm. went back to the UK from there. Is that correct? Did, yeah. Okay. Uh, was, was that uh, job-wise again? How, what was the couple decision there? Well, so that I would say was more of a, you know, kind of normal, uh, <laughs> normal decision. It was, we actually didn't move back to the UK for, uh, for a job. We, um, we had lived uh, internationally for so long and in so many different countries um, that we felt like um, nation states were beginning to look a little bit askance at us. Like we're... <laughs> We, how do you get a driver's license? Where is your dentist? If you mm. need medical care, where is that? Are you, you know, where is your bank account? Can you access your bank account? You know, uh, do you, what happens when you need to actually, um, you know, uh, get a pension or what all of these kind of grown up administrative things were becoming very difficult for us to do. Mm. Um, so we did, um, 
we often have summits. So we had a summit. (laughs) We we sat down and we said, right, okay, we we need to straighten this out. Um, And we took a very Ben and Kelsey approach to it. And we were like, okay, where, what, what country do we have the ability to live in? um, Mm. And do, um, and do we want to kind of base ourselves in whoever is not a national of that country will become a national. Um, And uh, we will get, uh, we'll buy a piece of property. We'll get a car, we'll get driver's license. We'll get, um, you know, our, we'll get a dentist and so on. And then, um, and then a couple of years later, we'll go overseas again. Oh, okay. Okay. Little did we, and so we chose the UK of the countries yeah. we could live in. Um, and then um, little did we know that becoming a British citizen would take five years plus. Wow. Yes. It's yeah. not a short process. So again, uh, a, a stress or potential stress for the for the couple. Um, one you've would have had to navigate um, supporting each other, I should imagine. Yes, I, I mean, I think I've found it stressful again. Um, I, it, possibly there's some sort of, I'm, I'm sure I have some sort of psychological disorder. You could, uh, you could, <laughs> um, but I, I, the prospect of living in the UK and becoming British was just wonderful until I learned mm. I couldn't, that, and much like, you know, being a trailing spouse, once you start putting like these kind of strictures on me, I was like, oh, why am I here? I hate it. Right. I can't go anywhere. So there's, um, so Im- immigration uh, law uh, policy has very specific um, uh, parameters on wh- how much you can travel uh, if you are a resident um, and mm. want to continue being a resident. So, um, so yeah, all of a sudden I kind of felt stuck here. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, we had conversations about, you know, is this worth it? Do we want to mm. do this? Why are we mm. doing this? And so on. And again, it comes down to that you have you always have a choice, right? Like sure, sure. The benefits outweigh the you know the downsides, and you know it's it's not as if living in the UK is exactly a, a hardship posting. <laughs> no, no. Well, no. Um, uh, I, I can understand that. But one of the key things that I'm hearing from you is that. That's a, well, you called it a forum. Forum is that the right summit? We have summits. Summits, we beg your pardon. Oh yeah, well, there's um, Rod and yeah. different parties come with you know their uh, different positions. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, what what comes clearly through to me is is what's our ability to sit and talk and and resolve and you know so it sounds like that's a strength that that you and Ben share and uh, I guess if, if we're looking at what advice would we be giving to to other couples facing that sort of relocation disruption you know mm. major life decisions um they need to be we need to be encouraging them along in terms of their what conflict resolution or dispute dispute uh, clarification communication mm. styles that, that's that's one key i think that that you're identifying yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that if, um, when I think about it, um, and I kind of, I'm thinking about it from the perspective of someone who is uh, doing a more traditional move, right? So they've been relocated from, you know, um, a country where they lived for most of their lives to an mm-hmm. international destination, um, and, you know, for several years or whatever. I mean, I think that, um, that A, recognizing that it is a huge change, um, and that it is, 
you're going to feel things that feelings are tunnels and not caves. Like you're going to go through it. You're going to mm. feel isolated. You're going to feel lonely. You're going to feel um, out of sorts. You're going to begin to hate it at some point. You know, you are going to be humiliated or ashamed of something that you've done or haven't done, you know, and, mm. and you're going to go through all those things, but that, if at any point, you know, the job is making you or your partner miserable or you you tr you find yourself not coming through that feeling, you know, that mm. not, you know, experiencing kind of the, the, uh, the opposite side of that, the joys of like living in a place. Yeah, that you do need to communicate with each other about it. Um, mm. And you do have a choice. You always have a yeah. choice. Yeah, good. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's a key recommendation for for any couple um uh, but particularly for those as we say um facing these major life choices or, or processes um how willing are they to to look at it like a choice rather than uh, get stuck and um and behave accordingly so so i think that's really useful advice yeah i, I was just going to say i do think that there is a lot of uh, issue with this kind of golden the golden handcuffs um yeah. i don't know if you've heard this term before where it's like yeah absolutely your partner who is the one with the job or the interesting reason to be there or whatever is um um feels that they're making so much money or the schooling is so good for the children or yeah. the job is so interesting that, you know, they, they feel they can't say no, they can't leave or whatever. Um, yeah. And so um, I mean, I think that's a straw man argument like, mm. because you can always leave. Right. And, and you have to, you know, you have to know in your relationship when to say my mental health or my well-being or our relationship is more important than the extra twenty thousand you're making a year. To yes, yes. So it's the money, but it's also the status, isn't it? I mean, in Pakistan, you're you're a big big uh, yeah. fish in a small pond, as they often say. Yeah. To go back to a member of the community in in the UK. Um, uh, that must have been a, an adjustment as well for you both. I, I do. I, it, it, I was. It was huge. We, so we met in South Sudan. We moved to Uganda. We moved to Pakistan. We'd never actually lived in um, a country where, um, you know, we had to figure out who was going to do the dishes. Um, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We don't do that. In, no. Yeah. We, you know, who <laughs> does the laundry? Um, how yeah. does the car, yeah. car, car get washed? Um, yes, and so. Yes. We um, and actually, I would say that that was a, a, a huge point of tension for us uh, mm. initially because what happened was we came back and we realized after about six months we'd fallen into very traditional gender um, gender roles when it came mm. to you know I would go to the grocery store and I make the list and I do the meal planning and I do the cooking and mm. um, Ben would take care of the car and you know we um, we went on a holiday and I was. Um, you might have noticed I'm a bit of a feminist. Um, and I, I have kind of like, I know what this is. This is mental load. I'm carrying the mental load of mm. our, you know, our joint lives together and I'm done, right? So we had to renegotiate it and we had to say, mm. okay, how how is this going to work so that it is more equitable? Um, yeah. And also no one feels kind of stuck with stuff. Um, and that's an ongoing conversation. I mean, just a month ago, we renegotiated again after a couple of years, you know, so yeah. it's um, because life changes and more things come in and 
someone takes it all in, you know, so. Um, sure. sure. Yeah, it is constant negotiation. Yes, which again is a, is a key recommendation for our couples. I mean, the, one of the, the key highlights from this conversation from my point of view is, is that you experienced a lot of these ups and downs, these major challenges, but you found a way through it, you know, you, and that comes back to are you willing to talk to each other, are you willing to negotiate, negotiate treat it as a choice, so they're some of the, the key findings that I'm very pleased to hear you talk about um, in terms of recommendations for other couples going through a similar and, and who might be struggling. And that, that 40% who leave their assignment mm. often is because they, they find it difficult to do that. I also don't want to make it sound like, um, you know, that the Kelsey and Ben show is like, it always has a happy ending and we're actually <laughs> just living bliss and love each other and communicate really well. And um, um, because I, I would say us, like every couple, you know, you, you, there are rough patches. There are patches where you don't know if you're going to make it and you think, yeah. why am I doing this? And this is really hard. And I actually don't like this person very much, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I, I definitely don't want to make it sound like we communicate perfectly. Often what happens is that we communicate incredibly poorly <laughs> right. and we, and then we get to a point where it's like, we've got to change something here. Right. You know, if mm. we are committed to this working, you know, we have to, we have to change something. So yeah, yeah. it. um, I, Brene Brown, I'm sure you've heard of her um, yeah. she said in recently in a podcast that her marriage is the hardest thing she's ever done. Yes. And the way she said it, you just went, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, yeah. it is hard, you know, and, yeah. and, all these, you know, living internationally and changes and new jobs, it doesn't make it easier. Hmm. No, absolutely. It's, it's another added layer on top of um, normal life, shall we say. Mm. Um, so, Kelsey, just one final well, issue or thing I'd like to check with you. Um, mm -hmm. uh, if, if anybody Googles the Kelsey Hoppy um on LinkedIn or whatever, they'll see that you're, you, you, since, is it since you've been back in the UK, you've set up um, Safer Edge? Um, um, Safer Edge has been around since 2002, so I just came to be the CEO in 2017. Oh, okay, all right. So um, that was something you took on once you, you got, or a role you, you took when you got back to the UK? Yes, exactly. So Safer Edge is a risk management company and we work with mm -hmm. some organizations so universities and um uh, international charities international ngos uh, the un foundations and so on um uh with risk management training safeguarding training um things hmm. like that okay okay so your your background of course is ideal i guess for that sort of uh role uh, the, you know the the risk side of things um <laughs> How, how um, what, what, what's your view about uh, uh, coming back, setting up a, a, a new uh, career? Is this a, a, is that how we describe it? Um, is this, you, you talked about your, your role being quite flexible career-wise throughout the years. Um, is, is this part of that uh, process as well? Um, yes, I, I, I think so. I, um... Uh, because my jobs or roles or the organizations I'm with have changed every few years, um, 
I, it the next thing always seems to just come along um, and yeah. so uh, this is one that's come along and I, I don't foresee it ending in the near future I really enjoy what I'm doing um, and yeah. it's given me an opportunity to do lots of different things um, sure. which you know usually you need to move to a new job to do so um, but it um, it it's it's so it's different in uh, in a certain respect in terms of uh, you know I'm not looking for the next move or the next yeah. country we can go to. Um, I also think that COVID has radically changed, um, uh, you know, uh, what's possible at the moment in terms of um, it's changed the face of humanitarian development work, um, and I think rightfully so. Um, I yeah. I definitely think that um, instead of you know. Uh, flying expatriates all over the place to live in different places you know uh, organizations are looking critically at is there a local um support that can do that and i think in addition also rightfully so the um the climate crisis um we need to be taking very hard looks at you know carbon uh, emissions yeah. and why we're flying all over the place um you know for two-day conferences and so on so um sure, so um, so I think, you know, this, that's a slightly changed uh, what's next for us, but, um, but not in a bad way. I think it's uh, good to be able to reevaluate. To, to re, yes, review how we do that sort of work. I, I think many, many of us are doing that, having a think about that. So would you do it again? Would you uh, uproot again and head off? You mentioned that before. Uh, so all that you've been through, uh, you'd still do it? Oh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Okay. I love living in different places, uh, in different yeah. cultures. There's really nowhere. Uh, you, we often talk about this, where wouldn't, where, where wouldn't we go, you know? Right. And I don't, I, there, like, I would go back to South Sudan. I would go, um, love to, I'd love to go to Latin America, South America. Um, yeah, there's, there's no place that I wouldn't, I wouldn't go live. Good. Well, it's been a, it's been a pleasure talking to you this morning and, and um, thank you so much for your insights and, and your honesty, your, your willingness to, uh, to talk about uh, the, you know, the couple relationship. I, I think that's hopefully, uh, certainly I've picked up many of the, those points that I mentioned a minute ago. Uh, I, I would hope that they're useful and supportive for other couples going through similar sorts of sorts of challenges. So I uh, really appreciate your your willingness to do that for us this morning. So um, we'll we'll see what sort of reaction if, if there are any questions or other comments uh, from some of our listeners. We'll um, we'll pick up on that as as we go through. So thank you for for your time this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been fun. This is Healthy Us with Rod McBride a podcast about support and encouragement to all new couples. Please feel free to subscribe.